Well, it is true. You don't have to be an expert to talk about Jesus. And the message today is about that. It's about sharing Jesus. It's letting people know about who Jesus is. It's communicating with others. Letting them know the difference that Jesus has made in us. And we want to share that with other people. And so today, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be mainly looking at Matthew chapter 10. So if you want to go ahead and turn to that, you can also use the Bible app and go under events and look up that. There's notes there for you if you'd like to check that out as well, along with a devotion, a three-day devotion for after this message, if you'd like to, to go deeper with this talk. Um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, we'll start there. So Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them the authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. And so in verse 10, Jesus is preparing his disciples to go and do ministry. It's like a, a short mission trip. And so he's preparing them to do this for the long haul, but he was doing a little mission trip to prepare them for the future. So he's trying to get them ready to continue to evangelize after he's gone, after he dies and resurrected that they will continue this ministry of reaching people for him and sharing the good news of what Jesus has done. And see, in verse 1 here, we see that uh, Jesus has given the authority to drive out spirits, to, to heal the sick, to heal the diseases that people have, that God has, you know, Jesus has given the authority to go out and do this. Uh, and the reason why that miracles were required so much in the Old Testament, not that miracles, I believe miracles still happen. I've seen people get healed and, and be healed. And I've actually seen some people in hospital beds rise from the dead that their heart stopped for one moment and they came back and came back to life. And of course, we've heard stories of that happening too. But here we see that Jesus gave a particular authority to do this because the Jewish people, and Jesus says this in the book of John, he talks about that this generation, the people that he's ministering to, need proof that he's from God. So he has to do these miracles, not because he doesn't care, but that he's more concerned about our spiritual need than our physical need. But he's doing these miracles to prove that he is the Son of God. And so Jesus gives the authority to do this so that there can be proof that he is the Son of God to the Jewish people. And so in verse 5, I'm going to skip through all the names. In case I butcher them, I don't think I would. But anyhow, you can read that part. But in verse 5, it says, these 12, these 12 Jesus set out with the following instructions. Do, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Now, this wasn't that Jesus was being mean or cruel. That This is a promise that is being kept to Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, and the fact that Abraham was promised to become this great nation. And God always used Israel to be a light for him, to be a witness throughout the whole world that God was real. And so God is keeping his promise to say, I'm coming to you first. You reject my message. I'm going to send it to the Gentiles and everybody else. You've had your opportunity to accept me now. Now I'm going to reach out throughout the whole world. So this is their first opportunity to reject the message of Jesus or receive the message of Christ. So he says, I want you to focus on this ministry. And I think about us, and I think about the one thing I'd encourage you to do is if God has given you a passion or God has given you an occupation or wherever God's put you, it may be in different areas than me. But God has probably sent you and put you in a place where you can do ministry and help change lives. And show leadership in those areas and become a person that will represent Jesus where you are. And there may be passions that you have 
that God has put on you for a particular place or for a particular reason to minister to people that need to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so we need to look for those opportunities that God sends us out and among other people. Even Paul wanted to go and speak to the people of Asia. He wanted to go, but the Holy Spirit, it says in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit forbid him to go to Asia because his ministry was to Europe and to the Gentiles of that area. His mission was clear from God. It wasn't that God didn't care about Asia. It was that God wanted Paul to be focused on this particular area. And so we need to be focused on where God has put us and where God has placed us and the passions that he's put in our heart to reach the people that we're around or we need to go to that he's placed in us. And, of course, be led by the Spirit, by, be led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 and 7, it says this, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the same message that John the Baptist was preaching and teaching and telling people to repent for the kingdom of God is near. This is the same message to say that Jesus has come, not in the kingdom that you're all thinking that become this new king of David here upon earth, but he's going to make a kingdom that's forever and ever and ever. A kingdom that there will be no more heartache, no more death. So Jesus wants them to preach that message about the kingdom of God coming near through his son, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, it says this, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who with leprosy, drive out demons. And that'd be cool. <laughs> maybe, maybe God will give me that ability sometimes. It'd be, it'd be awesome. I mean, he can. I believe that. Freely you have received, freely you give. And this is the part I want to focus on because whatever authority God has given you, whatever ability, whatever talent, we need to be using that. And what does it say here at the very end of that? Freely you have been given, freely give. In other words, the things that God has given me as a minister of the gospel, I need to share that with other people. I need to tell people. I need to let people know about what the goodness of what God has done for me. And I need to use the things, the giftedness. Maybe your gift is hospitality. Maybe somebody else's gift is teaching. Whatever your gift, whatever your uh, spiritual gift may be, God wants to use that to make a difference in somebody else's life. It's not for us to hold on to and keep or, or use it as a tool or use it as a weapon or use it as something for us and our benefit. It's to be freely given. We need to give it to others. We need to share it. We need to use it to make a difference in other people's lives. We need to give it. We need to give it away. And one of the things we need to do is for those that are lost, those that don't know Christ, we need to invest in them. We need to share. We need to uh, represent and give the talents, the abilities. Remember the 10 talents that one person got, and remember the person that got one talent, and Jesus was upset, or tells the story of the parable. Of the, the, the master was upset with the one because what did he do with it? He buried it. So whatever gift you've been given, if it's just one gift, are you using it for the glory of God? Are you using it? to make a difference in somebody else's life. God has given us such a blessing. God has given us all these things that we have. And are we using it for his glory? Are we sharing it? Are we giving it away? Freely given. God has freely given me these things, these good things in my life. The ability to share, the ability to speak, the opportunity I have here at this church to do ministry. Freely, I should give. I should give. I should give the things that God has given me. 
I should not try to keep secrets. I should not withhold what, what, or make a judgment call and judge somebody else's life and say, well, they don't deserve it. I should freely give it and let God be the judge. So we'll talk a little bit more about Matthew 10, verse 9 through 10. It says this, do not get out any gold or silver or copper to give, take with you and your belt, your belts, no bags for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff. I don't know about you, but I just love that part, no shirts. <laughs> like, don't take any extra shirts. I just, I don't know why, it's just, it strikes me funny. Don't take an extra shirt. I guess the white shirt you have on is fine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, for the worker is worth his keep. Wow, that, that is, I love that phrasing. That Here's Jesus saying, the worker is worth his keep. So many times we don't share about Jesus because we're worried about what resources we have. We're worried about the time it may take. Or, you know, I don't have the finances to do that. Or I can't do this. Or I can't do that. I don't have, you know, we, we come up with excuses like Moses came up with God and said, God, I can't speak. Who am I to go to Pharaoh and speak for you? We come up to God and we say, we give all these excuses why we can't share the name of Jesus with other people. Because we feel like we don't have enough resources. What Jesus is telling his disciples, trust me. Trust me in this. Put it to the test. You know, Abraham didn't have any resources when he left and was called out to go and build a great nation. And he was only given one son, one son to build this great nation. Now, we all know that Abraham took it on his own self to provide a son. But God said, I'll give you one son. And out of that son, I'll build you a great nation if you trust me and believe even in your old age. And so many times we give God excuses about the resources or we feel like we don't have enough or God, you know, I need these things to take with me. And God says, no, you don't. You don't need all these things. You know why? Because God is the one that provides. God is the one that gives. And we need to trust him. And in that demonstration of faith, we show that God is real. It's the demonstration that we show as Christians in Christ that we demonstrate the fact that Jesus is real in our life. We're not fake. We're sincere about what we believe. We value what we believe. Many times, it's not that people don't want to believe in Jesus. They just haven't seen enough evidence in people like us to see that it, we're really willing to die for Jesus. We're willing to give our lives for Jesus. I'm like, well, you're just like everybody else. There's nothing different about you. Our faith needed to demonstrate that. Here's the other thing is that work is not salvation. We can't, we can't earn our way to heaven. We can't earn our way to God. Salvation is free. It's freely given for all mankind, not just for us, not for just Americans, not just for you know, people of North America. It's, it's for all, right? It's freely given. The, the death of Jesus is for all. Every one of us. The work part comes after, though. Why I want to become a good worker is because it's the evidence of my faith. It's the evidence of the thing that happened in my life that Christ changed me. Christ did something new in me. And because of that, I want to go do things for him because he's worth it. And people will see the evidence of our faith and they'll take notice of it. They'll take notice of the value that we have, the, the, the care that we have. And they'll see our good works. And they'll give our Father in heaven glory 
by our good deeds. And so when Jesus says this, and I love that phrase, the worker is worth his keep. When we do things for Christ and we're not concerned about our resources and we go out and do ministry and we share and we give and we give to others of the abilities and the talents that God has given us, then we can make a difference in the world. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Isn't it just awesome to see God, here, here Jesus is, and he just has such great compassion upon the people because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is something we all as Christians should be praying for. We should be praying that God sends out more people to do his work to do ministry, to change lives. You know, there's people that I probably will never reach for Christ that you could possibly reach for Christ. There's people in your hemisphere, in your world, and you probably don't have to go very far. God will bring you to the people that you need to minister to. And it doesn't matter how bad they are, how bad they're off they are. They may be so filthy, they seem like they're stuck in the mud of sin. But that doesn't mean they're, ho- they're hopeless. It doesn't mean they can't have hope and, and salvation. Because Christ came to save each and every one of us that choose to have faith in him. No matter how much we're stuck in the mud. No matter how, where we've been in our life. Matthew chapter 10 verse 11 through 12 it says this. Whatever town or village you re- enter... Search, therefore, for some worthy person and stay at their home until you leave and enter their home and give it your greeting. It's like a a salute, like a respect for that person's home. It's to value the place that you're staying at, to show honor and respect to those people around you. It's not saying that these people are already believers. It's saying that anybody that's, that's open, anybody that seems like a, somebody that might want to hear it. And it's talking about, when it's talking about worthy people, it's not saying somebody that you think is worthy. It's not talking about somebody that you think is righteous or that you need to make the judgment call if this is a good person or a bad person. What it's saying is, if somebody's willing to hear the truth, if there's somebody that's willing to hear what you have to say about the gospel or about me or the kingdom coming near, that is a worthy person. That's somebody that's worthy. That's what it's saying. See, we we oftentimes, we want to be the judge and jury on people. God has not called us to be the judge and jury, and we're going to read more about that. But when we come to homes, we should respect them. We should value the way somebody believes and how they feel about things. We should be willing to listen. It doesn't mean we have to change our values and what we believe, but we have to be open to what they have to say. And we should respect them and treat them with dignity, treat them with value. That's a way to win hearts because they'll see the value of our faith. They'll see the direction of where we're headed because we are living out truth in our life. Matthew chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, if it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake off the dust of your feet. Truly, I tell you, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So it's interesting because Jesus is saying this to his disciples. He's saying, 
let your peace rest on them. If it's, if it's a place that is welcoming and deserving of, let your peace rest. Let your peace remain there. Let it stay. If it's somebody that's rejecting your message, let it return to you. At no time, at no time is your peace supposed to just evaporate. Your peace should stay with you at all times. You can let it rest. If it's not for the people there, take it back, but don't ever lose it. Don't ever let it be squandered. In other words, too many of us are watching the news and watching the world and watching what's going on in the world, and we can get stressed out and we can get upset and we can get frustrated. It's stealing our peace. It's stealing our joy. Our joy is not the world. Our joy is Jesus Christ. Our peace is in him. So our, our peace should never change. We should not be getting upset and getting frustrated with the world because we are in fellowship with Jesus. And so we can come. And I love this part. As, as Jesus goes on, he says, judgment is not for you. Judgment is later on. When he says this last word, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. It would be better for that city. Uh, it would not be good for that city. Basically, what he said, it said, you know, this is judgment is coming. It's not for us to judge. So many of us want to sit on the sidelines and judge like, like, like Jonah and judge the city of Nineveh. And we know what Nineveh's done. We know what these people have done. We know what, they've, what their life's like, what their lifestyle's like, what they're doing wrong. This person does this. They do that. They do this. And they should be judged. And God is not saying that. that. God is not saying that. God says there will be a day, but it's not today. And it's not our job. I'm not a judge. I'm not the jury. God is the judge. And so many of us want to take that from God and say, I'll judge. I'll volunteer, right? I'm guilty of it too, right? We're all guilty of it. We all, I'll help you out, God. I'll, I'll judge that person for you. And God says, no, I'm the judge. I'm the jury. I'm the one that makes this decision. There will be a day of judgment. But for us, for us that are sharing Jesus, we need to maintain a peace in our hearts to recognize that no matter what we face, no matter what difficulties we face, what we go through, what challenges that go through us, whatever we face in life, that may be whatever we face, that Christ is our joy. Christ is our peace. Christ is what we hold on to. Christ is what we look to for our hope. And our peace should stay with us no matter what we face. John chapter 14, verse 26 through 27 but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not go give to the world, to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So again, Jesus talks about this peace that he lives with us. It's the connection that we have with God through the Holy Spirit that we have this connection with God. We have this relationship with Jesus and it's a peace that passes all understanding of knowing that I'm with Jesus, I'm with God, God is with me. So we're gonna move on and talk, we're gonna split verse 16 up a little bit. I'm gonna do A, B, and C and hopefully you'll see where I'm going with this. So verse 16, it says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. This is so important for us to understand because Jesus understands that the world is not a not a safe place. He knows it's, it's got uh, people out there with evil intentions. It doesn't mean everybody, but there's people out there that could be wolves. And there's people that out there that could be causing destruction. 
But he calls us out into those environments and in those areas because he knows there's lost people out there. There's a lost sheep. There's somebody that needs to hear about Jesus. He knows that. And so he sends us out to reach those that feel like there's no hope. Because I tell you, I promise you that all the things we hear about in the news, all the things we see in the world, there's still people out there that need to hear about Jesus. There's still people that would love the opportunity for somebody to lead them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we don't know who they are. And this goes to the parable of the, sand, of the seed, right? It goes to the parable of the seed that it, some may land on rocky ground. Some may land on, on the grassy good soil. Wherever the case, we can't worry about that part. We just got to be a, a seed sower. We got to spread the seed out and let it fall and let God take care of the rest of it, right? And we ourselves need to have the right kind of heart to receive what God has for us. But it says, among wolves. You know, when you think about sheep, and there was a study that I've done recently, and I would love to do a message series on it. It's called uh, All the Places You Will Go. And John Ortberger does this study, and it's a really good study, and he talks about uh, sheep, and he talks about lamb chops. And he talks about how lamb chops, it's just funny because you don't think of anything with sheep being exciting or fierce or, or scary or anything like that. And here you had this puppet that was named Lamb Chops that he grew up with. And, and it was a little puppet. And I, I remember a little bit of that, Lamb Chops. So you guys remember Lamb Chops? And if you want to, for younger people, look it up on the internet, look it up on YouTube. There was a, a lady that, that, that was a puppeteer, comedian, and she would use Lamb Chops as part of her act. Well, isn't that sad that Lamb Chops is named Lamb Chops? She's just sheep and she's named Lamb Chops. <laughs> but the other thing too is there's, there's no sports teams that are named sheep, right? You don't name your team sheep. I don't think there's any school, any professional sports at all. Correct me if I'm wrong, but nothing, nothing is named sheep to, to invoke fear in another team, right? You don't want to be a representation of the sheep, right? You wouldn't want that to be your school mascot, be pretty sad. That'd be, be a funny movie. That's probably something in Napoleon Dynamite or something. But anyhow, the, the fact is, Ryan appreciated that. He liked that book. Um, but the fact is, is that Christ calls us to be humble. And that's what sheep are. Sheep are humble. They don't come at it like, I know everything. I, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, we Christians can sometimes come across to non-Christians as being know-it-alls, righteous, perfect, and we, we have everything and we know everything, and judgmental. And that's not what Christ calls us to be. Christ calls us in our ministry to be humble. He calls us to be sheep. He calls us to go in humility and serve others and put them ahead of ourselves to be last instead of first. And so Jesus sends us out as sheep to be humble. Another scripture that goes along with the Colossians 3 verse 12, it says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Well, I don't know, I don't know much about sheep. I've been in petting zoos and I've seen sheep, I've petted a sheep, and I could say that I see them as patient, gentle, uh, kind, have some humility about them. I don't know if they're compassionate or not. Maybe somebody can tell me about that. But, but that's what we're called to be. All these things to show humility, to show gentleness, to show patience, to show compassion. We are Christians. 
And we're not here to judge or to be arrogant or think we know it all. I know the answer. You were like little kids at the playground, right? Like, I know something you don't know, you know? That's not who we're called to be. We're called to come alongside people that are non-believers with humility, with love, with gentleness, with patience, hoping that they see the good works that we do, that they can give praise to our Father in heaven. Part B, therefore be as shrewd as snakes. I love this part. I really do. I I love the fact that, that as Christians, we're called to be wise. We're called to make good decisions. We're called to be smart. We're not called to play a fool. Humility is not being a fool. It's a choice. It's a decision we make for the greater good because we know in walking with humility, in walking with humbleness, that we can affect change, that people might be open more to our message if we walk with humility. We need to be wise. We need to make good decisions. We need to be thinking about what's going to be the best. We shouldn't be putting ourselves in compromising situations. In other words, we should be ministering to those that are in need, but we should put ourselves at risk of sinning in the same sin that they do and same sin they practice. We need to avoid areas of weaknesses that we may have. Like if I'm an alcoholic, maybe I shouldn't be at a bar. If I'm addicted to pornography, maybe I shouldn't be on that particular website. See, Christ calls us to be wise, to be shrewd. Make sure we make good decisions and good choices that give us a good sense of integrity. That people will look at us and see value in the way we live our lives. That they will want that too for themselves. And that we can allow God's Holy Spirit to work in our lives to minister to those with wisdom. And here's the hope for all of us, because some of us may feel like we don't have, have the wisdom that we need. But here in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who, is graciously to, who gives graciously to all those without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So here's the thing. If we need to ask God for wisdom, God says, you know, here's James saying, pray and ask God for wisdom. Ask God to give you wisdom. Ask God to help you to make good choices and good decisions about your ministry. And here's the other thing. If we go in a plan to reach people for Christ, if we use our passions that God has put in us to minister to those that are lost, to those that don't know Christ, what better outcome can we have if we use our mind to think about what God wants us to do and then we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in that direction that we can really minister to people and really make a difference in people's lives using the wisdom that God wants to give us. Last thing here, really the last point, innocent as doves. Innocent as doves. Jesus talks about us coming to him as a child, like faith. There's things that are interesting about children. Children don't care about just hugging you and loving on you. They don't care about throwing little tantrums sometimes. They're innocent. They're not coming with a particular motive well, I guess maybe you haven't seen some kids. Some kids seen it, right? <laughs> but, but the heart of it is, <laughs> I'm way off track now. The heart of it is this, is that a child comes with no preconceived ideas. That's what Jesus wants for us. 
We're not here to build our own agenda and try to, you know, me and Pastor Mark aren't here to be, make names for ourselves for the whole world to see. I, I, I wouldn't want that. I don't want that. I'm so thankful. Not that, uh, that it's wrong, but I'm glad our names aren't on the marquee out there. It's not, about, it's not about a particular person. You don't follow me. You don't follow Pastor Mark. You follow Jesus. Jesus is who we should be following. Innocent as doves. Don't give a reason for people to think something of you that's not true. Live your life in such a way that, that you are pure, that you are sincere with your heart and your faith. You're not trying to get something out of it for yourself. You're not trying to be something that you're not. You're coming to God with just this hopefulness of making a difference in the world for him, that you want to represent him well with your life. That's what you want. You want to you make a difference in somebody else's life. You want to share with, with others about Jesus and making a difference in their life for Christ. So innocence is an important thing for all of us to do. Matthew chapter 10, verse 17 through 18, it says this, be on your guard. And then again, Jesus wants us to practice wisdom. And it, Jesus is also, if you read chapter 10, and I didn't, I didn't mention this, but when I read chapter 9, it's, it's interesting because when he talks about praying for harvesters to come, he knows in, verse, in chapter 10, uh, he knows later on he's going to challenge them to go out and do ministry. But he's saying, pray for harvesters to come. And he's like, okay, I'm sending you guys to go out and do ministry. But Jesus, as he continues reading chapter 10, if you keep reading it, he begins to start talking about things that are going to happen to him in the future. Uh, we don't know for sure if they were arrested at all during this time. This may be something that he's preparing them down the road because they will be arrested for his name. They will be flogged. But here's it says, be on your guard. And this is kind of an interesting scripture because I'm kind of closing out with these scriptures with kind of a downer note. But it should give us hope for all of us in a, in a way as I close here. So in verse 10, it says, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local council and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. In verse 19, but when, you, when they arrest you, do not worry about what you will say or how you will say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it, is, it, is, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit, your Father. And, uh, let me just kind of start over. I'm just going to start over. Just read the whole thing, okay? Can you be patient with me? I'm just getting irritated. <laughs> Matthew 10, 19. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Thank you. I feel better. <laughs> so, so here's the thing that we should all realize. And we, we really do need to realize this as Christians, especially American Christians. Following Jesus is not supposed to be easy. We are so blessed to be here in America, to be safe. There's a great book called Jesus Freak. It was, it was put together by a group of uh, the band DC Talk. And if you get a chance to read a book, it's called Jesus Freak, and it's a book about martyrs, people that have given their life for the name of Jesus. We are so blessed that we don't have to do that, but, but here's the thing. 
This is the most important thing that we could ever do with our lives is to share about Jesus Christ. And you know what it says? Don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about how it's going to play out. Don't worry about, don't concern yourself. Even at the end part here, at that verse, it says that the Holy Spirit will be speaking through you. It says, be of courage too, Jesus tells us. Be of courage. See, the Holy Spirit is going to be there with us no matter what we face. And to share the good news about Jesus Christ is more important than all the comfort of this life. All the things that we think we need to have, we don't really need. It's like my son Isaiah was talking. He said, Dad, I'm going to be rich someday. I'm going to have lots of toys, lots of things. And I said, are you? He said, yeah, I'm going to get this and get that. I said, well, you know, that's not what all life is about. But that is so many times how we think, isn't it? Like, I want to build all these resources, have all these things in my life. You know, God has blessed me as a person. God has blessed me to, to be serving here at this church. And, and I know God has blessed you as well. Isn't it worth sharing this good news? And if I have to be arrested or I have to be flogged or if I have to go through some persecution or some difficulty, if I have to face a disease, if I have to face a certain circumstance, I'm going to do it with the knowledge that I don't have an eternal home here. I have an eternal home in heaven, that I'm doing it for the name of Jesus Christ. I'm serving Jesus no matter what we face. Going back to the peace, I should not let the peace be determined about my outcome or about the state of my affairs or about how I am financially set up for the future. My peace is resting on the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so no matter what I face in this life, I should always take my peace with me. There's so many people out there in the world that are suffering now for the name of Christ. They're being flogged. They're being imprisoned. They are being beaten. Are we willing to share the name of Jesus Christ and allowing him to work in our lives to the point where we truly make a difference for him? My prayer is that I will grow in my faith to have the strength to take a stand for him, whether I'm in prison or not, that I will always take a stand for Jesus. And I hope and pray that anybody that's ever had contact with me in my life will know that my faith is sincere that know that my love for Jesus is sincere, that I want to live for him, that I want to make a difference in this world. And I'm so thankful for those that have given me opportunities to invest in them, to share with them, to encourage them, to spur them on. And I'm so thankful because you know what? The people I have invested in, the people I have shared the good news with, the people I have tried to develop as a Christian, those people have always given back more than I could ever give them. God has used them to be a blessing to me. And so you can't outgive God. And so it's worth it. One day when we get to heaven and we see all the other people that we've invested in, all the other people we've shared with the gospel, the kids that I've shared with at the Gusky Shelter and they gave their life to Christ, the kids that I've had in youth group ministry, the, the adults that I've seen to come to Christ in my adult ministries, Whatever it may be, I'll be able to see the difference that was made in heaven. See, we're not living just for this life. We're not living for the comfort of this life. We're not just living for what this life has to offer. Because we know we have a better place. 
And so our focus, our, our vision, it's not that we can't enjoy things. Or I'm not trying to say that. What I am trying to say is it may take a little bit of sacrifice. It may take you out of coming out of your comfort zone. It may come to you being humble and you making sure that you're innocent and then making sure that you're wise so that you can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And then it may take more than what you have available at, with you. It may take more of your resources than you think. But God will always provide for you. God will always watch out for you. And the other thing is be a giver. Don't try to hold back on the gifts that God has given you. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you for everything you do. I thank you for this opportunity today to to speak your word. And Lord, as these words challenge my heart, I hope and pray that they challenge each one of us. I thank you for just the amazing people we have here at this church. And Lord, as we talk about loving and leading people into a life-changing relationship with you, I, I think about those words and I think about, am I loving? Am I loving those around me? Am I, am I leading? Am I, am I teaching? Am I investing? Am I sharing with people? And ultimately, am I presenting the gospel? Lord, my prayer is today that if there is anybody here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, that they would invite you today at their seat or come forward and talk to me or talk to somebody else and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. But Lord, I also pray, Lord, for those of us that have been Christians for a while, that we would be ignited with encouragement and strength and, and just a perseverance about us to go out and share with others not to come with judgment, not to come with uh, preconceived notions or our own benefits, but to think of the needs of others around us. I pray that you just be with us and use this song as we sing this invitation to be a time of all of us calling out to you and seeking what you want for our lives. Help us to share about you. Help us to let people know that your kingdom is near, that you are here and that you're ready to be received as Lord and Savior of each one of our lives. In your wonderful name, Jesus, I pray and ask these things. In your name, amen.